0: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum.
1: There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They think they keep knowledge, you know, they're, they're total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these these pricks at the hell that lie do
0: us. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Miss Lorensky. I never told anybody to lie. Not a single time. Never. These allegations are false. And I need to go back to work for the American people. They're they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it all revolves around the Great Deception. Yeah, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the great deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the
1: world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion. On subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice,
0: on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake up call.
1: We're going to phone it in. And welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining me. We are back. And we are getting ready to get back into the old world. Uh, And and we're going to do this for a couple episodes now. Um, I got a couple things in the works that I've been looking at lately that are real interesting. And I think I want to share them with everybody. And we're going to get into a little Tartaria tonight. Both in the Russian version as well as possible Tartarians in Western United States. And this book that we're going to talk about tonight is The Little Description of the Great World. It's the fourth edition from 1629. Um, It's an interesting book. There's, And I'll show you a little bit here in, in a second. But first and foremost, I want to thank the newest patrons. We have two this week. We have Leslie and Leanne. Thank you both very much. I appreciate your support and your contributions to the show. It helps. um, And with just to let you guys know, I'm in the process of moving and uh, in the new place, the Internet is terrible. So I am working with the landlord to try and get it upgraded so that we can have good Zoom productions and, and good show and good upload speeds and things like that. So your contributions help. Take care of that stuff uh, and all sorts of books and cool stuff that I'm getting for the show and, and stuff that I'm going to be sharing with everybody, too, on the on the Patreon. So, guys, if you're not there yet, uh, Patreon dot slash The Great Deception podcast. I got three tiers out there. Anything is greatly appreciated. Um, and we also have a our first uh, Patreon patron get together on uh, Friday, August 26th. We're going to have a little call um, where we can go over whatever you want. It's not going to be recorded. It's not going to be video. It's not going to be posted anywhere. It's just between us. So I'm looking forward to that, guys. So hopefully you all can make it. And we will be doing that, like I said, uh, Friday the 26th. Um. So we got that going. Now, here's something. While I was going through this, whole little description of the great world and started thinking about tartaria again one of the things i started thinking about i started looking back at the war of 1812 and we've talked about that in the episode that we talked about the buffalo massacre and we mainly talked about the war of 1812 in america and what did we come across there basically that was the french and the americans annihilating natives pushing them west so if we look on this map here and and for those that are just listening what we have up here is basically a a china centered map okay so on the to the left of the map is africa and europe in the center is china india australia to the right of the map is north america and south america so, if we look to the right of the map here at the United States and Canada, basically what we're 1812 was in the US, they were pushing from east to west, getting everything out, whether across the east coast, down the eastern seaboard, down to Florida, and pushing out west and trying to get rid of them, trying to corner them, right? Taking away their land piece by piece, battle by battle. Bad treaty by bad treaty. But then on the on the other side, over in Europe, what do we see? We see Napoleon. And what's he doing? He's pushing east. Okay, so we have on the American side, we have pushing west. On the Russian side, we have them pushing east. And who are they pushing? Well, some would say, and the speculation out there is Tartaria. Right. This was the last move to eliminate the remnants of the previous civilization, the death blow, so to speak, to the previous great civilization that some would say was Tartaria or that concept of Tartaria, if you want to think of it in a bigger sense. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm starting to think about it and it makes some sense. Now I have to do some more digging into this, but it's something that's interesting and You know, if anyone finds anything on it, I would love to dig deeper into it. And that's what we're going to get into tonight is, again, a description of Tartaria, Tartarians, the land, the people. Where were they located? What were the boundaries at the time? What were some of the things that they have done? What lands had they had conquered? Things like that. Okay, but I thought this little point of 1812 it's it's just something to stew on. So if you uh if you come up with anything, feel free to reach out. So now we got this little description of the great world from 1629. So what I'm going to do is just show you the uh the appendix here and what we get into, I mean, they what he has is all the principal countries, provinces and seas. Okay, and what you'll 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 see some interesting names in here. We go down to T, and here's Tartaria, and then you have the precompetent. You have the Asiatic and the Antiqua Tartaria. Okay, now you're gonna have to bear with me as we go through this stuff because it is. Very, very difficult to read, because this is back in Old English, so we have S's that are F's, and all sorts of fun stuff like that, okay? So, you're going to have to bear with me as we go through this, but the information is too good not to be shared. So, let me just find it here. We're getting there rapidly. So, we are on Tartaria. Okay, and this is, it says, Tartaria is bounded on the east with the eastern ocean, on the west with Muscovite and Moldovia, on the north uh, with the sea-thick or frozen ocean, and on the south by the Mare Caspium, the hill Taurus, and the wall of China. This country extends. In in, uh, itself, from the east to west, 5,400 miles. From north to south, 3,600 miles. So we're talking about a a large, large area of land here. This country was old, known by the name of Scythia, whose inhabitants, uh, the posterity of Magog, the son of Iophat. Called the first magogans afterwards Siths or Siths, their first king. Ah, uh, the overall inhabitants as well Mela hath them were first Ephrodites men, who rejoined most of their parents uh, rejoiced most of their parents deaths of whole heads trimly and wrought and rounded with gold. They used to make their carousing cups. So now you have Agarthuri, who used to paint themselves, every one where the noble he was, the more deformed and stained, for which cause he have conceded, uh, own, and have drawn their original from hence. Then you have the nomads, who... Having no houses, used uh, theirs to abide the longest. Okay, where for let me move this over so I can actually see the writing here. Sorry, guys, where the fodder for their cattle was best, for which once consumed they departed. Okay, so they were nomads. That's by the name, the Asiatica. Who were very valiant, but with barbarous were barbarous and inhumane, using their wars to drink the blood of him who they first slew, even if it, uh, even as it distilled out of his wounds. So these guys are savages. Then you have the Galoni, who used to apparel themselves with the skins of their enemies' heads and their horses with the skin of their bodies. Wow, that's some savage stuff. The Nuri of Huin, uh Believe It Who list. It is reported that they could turn themselves into wolves and again refuse their true being. Think about that. These They're saying these people are shapeshifters. They could change into wolves. Okay, the country... By reason of the many rivers running through it and sometimes overflowing it, it was very abundant in grass, but in fuel deficient. That their fire was made of bones instead of wood. The name of Scythia extended itself into Europe, even into regions lying north of Danubis, called Alpha Samartia and Scythia Europia and of populace hath it always been, that it is by diverse authors called the mother of all inundations, vagina genitum, and the officina generis humani. From hence, indeed, Huns, Hercules, Franks, Bulgarians, uh, Saracians, uh, Suez, the Burgundians, the Turks, the Tartarians, the Dutch, the Cimbers, the Normans, the Almaines, the Ostrogoths, the Tigorians, the Lombards, the Vandals, the Visigoths have swarmed like locusts round about this ball and spoiled the fairest provinces of all. That's interesting. So De Bartis, as she was populous, so were the people also valorous. They thrice overran Asia, overcame the Egyptians, Parthians, Medes, and Persians. These last by the hands of a woman, okay, who revenged the death of her son slain by Cyrus, encountered him in an open field. Now, listen to this cut off 200,000 of his men and chopping off his head threw it in a cauldron of blood saying satiate langues came i can't read it it's in latin darius the successor of him either to revenge his overthrow or to get his reputation or to requ- uh, requite a former incursion of the people into asia in the time of Syraxes the Mede, which before have mentioned, entered with a huge army, but with little armor, or with little honor, I should say, and less safety, as shall anon perceive. These were only armies that in those times were brought into Scythia. No uh, potentate after, let's see. After this daring to enter the country in a hostile manner, so then you have a list here of seventeen kings of Scythia. Okay, and on this in the seventeenth, it says in whose time the Persian king Darius, leading an army of seven hundred thousand men, was vanquished by the Amazons, Hyrcanians, and other nations of Scythia. The whole narration is thus: Darius, on the causes uh, lately mentioned, intended an exposition into Scythia from which neither the example of Cyrus nor the reason could dissuade him for his better journeying. He built a bridge over the Thracius uh, Bosphorus uh, and the outer Ister about a place where he parteth the Bulgaria and Moldavia. So he built a bridge in between Bulgaria and Moldavia. To the keeper's last bridge, he left a cord, having it 60 knots, willing them every day to untie one of them. And if he returned not till the knots were untied, he licensed them to depart, so he gave them basically sixty days. And he says, "If I'm not back in sixty days, you guys can leave." This done, he marcheth up into uh, the country. The Scythians still flying before him and leading him into the most desert and un—what is it? Unvictualled parts of the region. When they had him at this pinch, they sent him. Uh, to an, uh, They sent to him, okay, an ambassador with a bird, a mouse, a frog, and a handful of arrows. And this is the ultimate shit-talking back in the day, okay? Okay, so bidding the Persians, if they could, to read the riddle and departed. So Darius uh, had conjectured that the Scythians had submitted themselves by delivering into his hands earth, air, water, and arms, hieroglyphically specified in the present. But Gaborius, one of the seven princes, gave this interpretation. O ye Persians, unless you can fly like a bird through the air, like a frog swim through the water, or... Like a mouse, make your way under the earth, ye can be uh, you can by no means escape the Scythian arrows. How do you like them apples? That's some trash talking right there. So unless you can do those things, you're screwed. We're gonna kill you. Indeed, this commentary agreed best with the text. For the Scythians following him, or rather, uh driving him before them uh cut off many thousands of his army there were divers of other kings of Scythia besides those of whom uh, we have already reckoned out of the context of uh, consent of time whose names obs- uh, obscured for want of history he says historiographia and now and then the name of Scythia is extinct so he's saying These people erased the name Scythia from the books. There was a long controversy between the Egyptians and this people for antiquity. So the Scythians and the Egyptians were battling for antiquity, which was last pronounced to belong to the Scythian with this verdict. Okay, and again, it's in freaking Latin. Scythium gens semper antiquissima okay and it says Anarxis, the philosopher was of this country as for the tartars okay they are by the pope chronologer uh genebard okay so they are be- said to be the offspring uh, uh, offspring offspring of the 10 tribes who salomon led away captive, and that especially for three reasons. The first is that the word Tartary, by which name, saith he, they rather ought to be called than by that of Tartary, uh, signifieth in Syriac and Hebrew tongues a remnant. To this answer, that the name of this people is derived from the river Tartar, as some, or uh, fro the region, Tartar, where the first dwelt as most think, and the gain through, uh, through the Hebrew word signify a remnant. Yet it cannot be properly applied to the Tartar, who so infinitely exceed the Jews, that they cannot be thought to be a remainder of them. He allegeth for proof, that this people use circumcision, the character that the Jew, of the Jewish nation. To this we reply that circumcision was common to many people besides the Jews, as to the Egyptians, the Ethiopians, and so on, and rather as a national custom than a religious ordinance. So he's saying, you know, they claim, oh, because they were circumcised, they were part of the ten tribes, and they're saying, no, other other countries did that at this time. And they, Okay, so it says, and again, the Tartars cannot be proved to have received circumcision before they received uh, Ma, who, I don't even know how to pronounce that. There is brought to confirm this opinion, a place of Erdras, chapter 1, 3 library, where it is said that the 10 tribes, that they might be better keep God's statues, passed over the River Er uh, passed over the River Euphrates, and after the journey of a year and a half, came into the land of Asareth. This we resell by showing the impossibilities for the Tartars, when the name was first known, were more were, were mere idolaters, had no remembrance of law, observed not the Sabbath nor any points of Jewish religion. And so the 10 tribes retired not hither to keep God's statues. So they're saying that, yeah, that these are not the 10 tribes. Then we go, okay, so what do we have here? Can we slide this up? Yes. The Euphrates lieth quite west of Assyria and those places to which Solomon's are, are transplanted the Israelites, and so it could not be passed over the journey towards the north. Okay, so he's saying in three, it is very improbable that the ten tribes should either be so simple as to leave Assyria, where they were peaceably settled, or so valiant as to force passage through those countries of Scythia, which neither Persians, Greeks, or Romans were able to withstand, so he's saying right here that you know why would they leave the comforts of Assyria and go through Scythia when no one with bigger armies than them had made it through Scythia, but of this people in their beginnings an empire, more anon for their persons, they are generally swarthy, not so much by this uh, heat of the sun own sluttiness ill-flavored thick-lipped uh slit-nosed broad-shouldered swift of foot laborious and vig uh vigilant vigilant i guess it's vigilant yeah they spell things differently barbarous where wherein behavior especially in the antiqua and asiatica in the religion they are some pagans some Mohammedans, so they're saying that some of them are Islam, they follow Mohammed. The women are are suitable to the men, wanting and scorning, moaning, adorning themselves with gugahs of copper, feathers, and Latin. Tartaria is now usually divided into several provinces. Okay, So you have the precompensate You have the Asiatica, Antiqua, Zagathi, and the Cathaya, Cathay. Okay, so now we're going to look at the Precopensis. Tartaria Precopensis containeth all Tartaria, uh, Shersanosis, I don't know, and Asiatica on the banks of the Tinus. The chief cities are... Precops, one, okay, where the whole nation is called Precopensia, The Krim, the ancient feet of Tartarian rulers, whence they were named the Krim Tartars. Then you have the Ozekau, the redefiance of the present princes. The Kafa, anciently Theodosia, a town of great traffic, which Muhammad, a great took From the Genoa. So you have the Tartarius Were the first placed in this country. By uh, Bido. Or Rodeo. A brave captain. Which subdued all Muscovia. Okay. So this is saying. He came in and took over all of Moscow. Or Muscovia. Okay. Mohammed the Great contracted with them. A league. That the Tartar should aid the Turks on all occasions with 60,000 men, and those demand no pay, to require which the Tartar is to succeed to the Turks' empire if at any time issue uh, mail should happen to fail. After this covenant, the great Turks used, um, as they still do, to send the new elected sham a banner as a token of his appropriation of their election okay so the, they're basically saying the turks have to approve the election of the sham cham. okay so we have the a tartaria asiatica called Muscovicia, muscovitikia, and what is that the sorta Sometimes Samati, uh, Sarmatia is Asiatica. So you see Sarmatia. Um, it's situated on the banks of the river Volga. Okay. And if you remember our episode that we did on the Romanovs, that's where we said, you know, the Tartars were on the Volga. And account it to great misery to stay longer in a place than the pastures afford meat for their cattle. For this reason, they sow no corn, making horse flesh their chief food, either warmed a little at their saddlebow or roasted in the sun and used to drink sour uh, marka milk. They live together in troops, which they call hordes, and in their journeys and removes to and fro they observe the pole star. Okay, so they observe the stars. Of these hordes, the more inclinable to civility are them of the astrakhan or the kasan who live in houses, sow corn, and build definable or defensible towns, which good orders have been but uh, of late used since they were made subject of the Muscovites by the valor of Basilius and his son, uh, Ion ba- Basidius, Before they were subdued by the Muscovite, they were divided states and they had two several kings or rulers. Okay, the last king of the Kassan named Shalia Sheks. "...submitted himself to the Emperor of Russia and became his tributary, but again revolting, he was vanquished in field, and his people eternally made subject in 1553." The Horde of Ostrakhan is situated on the southeast of Kassan, down towards the Caspian Sea, and was conquered by Basilius in 1494." Next to these, the principal horde are uh, Zavol and Noihan Zavol, called the Great Horde or the Horde of the Zavolhen. Okay, they lie between the Volga and the Ayakachi Iac- as it is more the mother of the rest. Okay, it had a particular king till the year 1506 when the cam of Precompensis subdued them, but they discontently bearing the yoke gave them Basilius a fair opportunity to bring them under the empire of Muscovy, which accordingly he did. So Neuhin called the horde of the Neuencepis the most northern horde of all, And half the most warlike people. They were first governed without any king. After the manner of Venice. But at last the country was divided between three of the most potent among them. Now they are again united under one prince or duke. Who is tributary of the Muscovite. Okay so we're starting to see. There's What do they do? They start to divide and conquer. And that's how they break up these people. The chief cities are Kassan, Noihan. Good luck with this one. Sherechik. I have no. Idea. Astrakhan, and nigh unto which is Selamus the second received a memorable overthrow of Basilius. Okay, between the country Pricon, and Muscovia live the Mardwits. A Tartarian people which participate all of all religions, being baptized like Christians, circumcised as the Jews and the Turks, and worshipping idols like the pagans. So you're starting to see, guys, there's a variety of religion here, too. There's not one unified religion among the Tartars. It's, It's separate. And this sounds an awful lot like the natives here in America. If we start making comparisons. That there were all these different groups that managed themselves. Some came together and formed coalitions. But for the most part, they just wanted to keep to themselves and manage their own little areas as they felt. But there's constant skirmishes from the sounds of it. Constant battles for the territory. Constant battles for the leadership. So now let's look at Tartaria Antiqua. It is the old habitation of the Tartars from whence they disperse themselves like a violent whirlwind over Europe and Asia. The people are just of the same life and condition with them of the Asiatica. This country liest farthest north, extending beyond the polar circle, and budding onto the frozen ocean. And though vulgar lie, either uh, in skin tents or under their carts, yet have some so... Uh, some few cities. As one they have Chorus. Famous for the sepulcher. Of the Tartarian camps. So you're looking. I-, I would love to see this church. Then you have. Uh, Karakora. Which the Jing- Chinggis. Was first saluted emperor. Then you have. Uh, Chinchitalas. And Companion. These cities. Belong to the kingdom of Tenduk. The people uh, here of account; it is a great honor to have their wines and sifters, uh, their wives and sisters. I should say, s's and f's are killing me. At the pleasure of such as they entertain, and when upon command, mango calm. They had for three years abstained from the beastly practice. They obtained the restitution. Of it again upon a protest, uh, protestation that they could never thrive since they left it. So, I guess there was some sounds like some um superstition there. Here in the country, a beast of exquisite shape, about the bigness of a goat, which every full moon hath swelling under the belly, which the hunters at the time chasing the said beast, uh, having cut it off and dried it again against the sun, prove, proveth a most dainty and pleasing perfume. In this country is the wilderness and desert called Lop, from whence came King Tabor, whom Charles I burned at Mantua in 1540. For persuading the people to turn, uh and in this country groweth rhubarb, a herb of that excellent nature that the whole world is beholding, and these barbarians for it, a sovereign help for many diseases. Rhubarb, right? A plant that helps people what did they do they turned it into bar bar-bar. bar barbarians this is the word play they do ladies and gentlemen right here they take something that is positive and helpful and spin it into something negative interesting rhubarb okay so you have zagatha called old scythia okay is situated the east of the Caspian Sea, extending south borders to the uh, Sofian Empire. It comprehendeth a pro- the provinces of Bakaria, Sogdiana, Margiana, Turkestan, and Zagashia. Okay, so we have Magiana, lie south to Zagashia, and north to Hurkhania. The chief cities... Are one Indian very interesting, called once Alexandria Margiana, a town of Antiqua, Sodor, king uh, of the Syria Syria, fortified with a strong wall, then you have two you have Marin, nigh unto which uh, Ismail Sophie overthrew the calm of Tartary. So you have Sogdiana, lieth west of Bactria, the chief cities of Oksayana, seated on the river Oxus. And then you have Maruka. So this is very interesting, guys. We have Indians and Maruka. Think about how that ties to America. Alexandria Sogdiana, built by Alexander, as going towards India. Here also stood the time of Alexander, the strong and famous city of Cyropolis, a, uh, built by Cyrus, fortified his borders against the Scythians. It held out against the great Macedonian a long time, and he himself, coming nither to the walls, then discretion would permit an ordinary general. Had such a blow on the neck with a stone that he fell to the ground with his eyes swimming in his head, and his whole army giving him for slain. So his whole army thought he was killed because he got hit in the neck with a rock. But reviving, he took it the to town by a mine and leveled it to the ground. These two countries called uh, Jeselbas from the green tur- uh, turbans of the people. So he just basically, he got hit in the neck with something, so he burnt the whole two cities to the ground. So you have Bactria. It lies to the east of Marjania and Sogdiana. Now it is called Shorazan. These Bactrians are by Curtius, said to have been people very cruel, always in arms, resembling much the Scythians, whose neighbors they were, and which was uh, their gravest virtue okay nothing so effeminate as their lords of uh, as their lord the persians over these bessens uh, Bessus was captain who so valiantly betrayed darius and by the spitamenes served with the same sauce who delivered him unto the power of alexander and he into the hands of the hangman. The chief cities are Agassius, one of the most pleasant cities of the east. You have Shorazan, which uh, whence cometh the name of the whole region. You have Budasan, formerly Bactria, in the time of the Assyrian monarch Nins. He reigned in the first king of... Ah... Zoroastris, who is said by some to have invented astronomy. And you get into that, gets us into Zoroastrianism too. Okay. Which the assertion I dare not affirm, says the author, considering the fathers before the flood were well seen in this science. Perhaps the invention hereof is attributed to the king, either for that he first committed that to writing which was taught by tradition or else compiled the uh, confused writings of others into one methodical body. Against him Nins made war but was uh, forced to fly with the loss of a hundred thousand Assyrians and having again repaired his army. So he loses a hundred thousand. He comes back. He encountered uh, Zoroastris Slew him and united the Bactria to his monarchy. Afterward, it was made subject to the Persians, then to the Syrian successors of Alexander, till the year of the world 3720, in which time Theodates, one was but governor of. A thousand cities and towns. So think of this. This dude was a, the governor of a thousand cities and towns by which we may guess the former uh population assumed to himself title of king, which he honored continued in his family till the year 3786. So for about 65, 66 years, they had the throne of this area. When Ucrendis the last king was slain by the sogdians and the drangians this returned it to the syrians afterwards it was subjected to the romans under whom it received the christian faith by the preaching of saint thomas together with the other two provinces the persians the saracens and now the tartars have been successfully there lords. So they say that now the Persians, the Saracens, and the Tartars have all ruled over this region. Okay, now this is an interesting, when we get into Turkey, Turkestan is the country where the Turks first inhabited before their eruption into Armenia. The chief cities are Galba and Osera. That this people took the name Turks, either from the Tukri, that is the Trojans, or From Turka, a town of Persia, is frivolous to affirm, considering that long before the Turks had any commerce with the Persians, uh, it's Pompomans, Mela placed Turka and Thrishigada together in this tract. And as for their, uh, Decent from uh, descent from the Trojans, I hold it so vain that it needeth no uh, consultation. The first time ever that this people took on the military any military employment was in the reign of the Emperor Moridus, about the year six hundred, when they were uh, disconsorted by. Chagunis or captain of Sham of the Avaris another Scythian nation of whom we have before spoken in the Hungary chapter okay this their second expedition and it was as it was more necessarily hunger forcing them to it okay so they started getting starved out now they have to push on a second time so it was also more prosperous Stating them in a great part of the greater Armenia in 844. And what they have since done, we have told you there. So if you want to learn more, we got to go to the Hungary chapter. Okay. So now we got to get to Zagashe, an, another name giver to this day, to all the province lieth east of the Mare Caspian and to the north. Uh, north to the other provinces it took its name from the Sakatais a noble man of the Tartars to whose care this part of their new empire was committed to him succeeded Og who was the father of Tamerlane who by marriage of the daughters um, of the hire of Genocham obtained the Tartarian Empire. So Tamerlane, guys, for any of you that haven't looked into Tamerlane, this dude was a badass, okay? He subdued the Egyptians, the Syrians, the Persians, and the Turks against um, the whole unfortunate king, the First, And he conducted an army of 700,000 fighting men and won a famous victory of his enemy. He terrified the Muscovites and frightened the Puissant uh, king of China and dying divided the empire among his sons who lost it as in as short a space as their father conquered it. Nothing remaining subdued of which Tamerlane was not possessed before a warlike expedition into those countries. So Tamerlane, guys, he had Egypt, Syria, Persia, and Turkey. Think about how far the Tartarian Empire went at this time. The chief cities are Bokhara, the uh, the seat of the provincial governor. So you have Sarmakans, which gave both a cradle and a grave to mighty Tamerlane. This city he enriched with all the treasure and spoils of his manifold victories, and in one influence to speak uh, the rest, sent hither from Damascus only 8,000 camels laden with spoils and the choicest movable goods. From Tamerlane, the great moguls were descended. This town was originally called Marakanda and was a Spitamenes, who having delivered Bessus into the hands of Alexander, afterward revolted from him, made good against the Macedonians. Okay, so you have um, Menedemus, with 3,800 men besieged it, but Spirit Menes, uh, prevailing, slew Menedemus, and 2,300 of his 3,800 soldiers and then fled into Bactria where he was slain by his wife and his head presented to the conqueror. At this town also was it that Alexander was in a drunken fury, slew his friend Cletus who at the battle of the river uh, Granvicus had saved his life by receiving a blow directed at him. So this area sounds twisted. Not only does this guy get slaughtered in here, but this is the same town where Alexander killed his best friend in a drunken stupor. Okay, I mean, it's just unbelievable what's going on here. So now let's get into... We have Cathay is bound on the east with the Oriental Ocean, and on the west with the other Tartarian provinces, on the north with the Scythian Sea, and on the south with China. This is thought to have been the ancient habitation of the Ceres, who, being excellent in the weaving of silks, which they made fine wool growing leaves of trees, occasioned all silks to be Sarica. It is said of this people that they have neither these nor thieves nor whore among them. So these are very upstanding people, very pure people. The soil aboundeth with a variety of fruits, superfluously furnished with rice, grain, wool, silk, hemp, rhubarb, musk, and excellent fine shamlets. So that it is scorneth to give precedence to any flourishing provinces in Europe. So this city here is like, they're saying it rivals any city of Europe at the time. The people were very warlike, strong in manners of action, fearless in their uh, greatest dangers, and patient of labor and want. They're of mean stature, little eyes, sharp uh, sharp sight, and wear their beards thin they are very good wit dress themselves in gorgeous and uh fair on occasions sumptuously finally these and they are the zagarate are the most honorable people of the Ta- of the tartars indifferently civil lovers of arts both mechanical and civil and inhabiting uh divers of fair cities okay so these people are are what you would say are uh, high class the chief are the carrion where the women use uh their to gild their teeth then you have the tebeth famous for their abundance of coral the kambalu uh Seated on the river Polisanga, honored with the great Kam's residence, and enriched with the mighty confluence of merchants of all merchants of all sorts. Besides other merchandise,s there are every year ten thousand carts loaded with silk sent uh, hither from China. The city is uh, encompasses twenty eight miles. Besides the suburbs, in which besides inhabitants of all sorts are 50,000 astrologers, or rather fortune tellers. Then you have a place called Xanadu, the palace of the emperor. It is the sour square figure. Every uh, side extending eight miles in length. Within this quadrant is another whole sides that are six miles long. And with that, another, which are four miles square, which is the palace itself. Gee, guys, that sounds like a star fort. You have a wall that's eight miles around, a wall that's six miles around, and then an inner wall, which is four miles around, which houses the palace itself. I don't know. Between these several walls are walks, gardens, orchards, ponds, uh, places for all manner of exercise, parks, forests, chases for all manner of game. So it sounds like a, you know, Xanadu, man. That's a place to be, apparently. So you have Kathia was anciently Scythia extra montem imam and took no doubt this name from the uh, uh, Cathay, whom textuary geographer Strabo places in this tract. The people hereof were converted by St. Andrew, and long-continued Christians. though indirect of the opinion of Nestorius, of whose sect as this day spread all over the East, They differ from the church of Rome and Greece saying that Christ were two persons as well as two natures and that the Virgin Mary ought not to be called. I can't even read it. It's so small. Their priests may marry when and so often as they will. The chief means by which this uh, here lies is so propagated was by the wickedness of the Kofros, a king of Persia who upon mere hatred of Heraclius, the Greek emperor enforced all the Christians inhabiting this dominion to become Nestorians or abandon their country. The hath residence at Mufal in Mesopotamia, which uh, dignity did not elect, but uh, descendants uh, from the father to his son. The solemnities of marriage, because they are somewhat unusual, I will now relate unto you. The wives, they see not till they be married, but hearing a good report of the young woman, solicit her father for her. If he yield, then they uh, marry at the chancel of the church, or they meet at the chancel of the church. In which there is a partition. The man and his friend standing on one side. The woman and her friend standing on the other. When they are met. Uh, the cassisi or churchman man. Bideth. Uh, uh, he, okay. So what he does is he binds their two hands together. Through the partition. Okay. And so when they put their two hands together. It says. Uh, then cometh the mother and young woman. And with the sharp pointed instrument to be pricketh to the new married man's hand. So while they're tied together, he pricks. If when he feeleth the smart, he letteth his wife's hand go, they take it as a sign that he will not love her. But if he hold her hand and wring her by the hand till they cry, then he is counted a loving man and her friends are glad that they bestowed her to, on him. After the marriage consummate, if a male child be born unto them, the father loses his own name and is called by the name of that of his eldest son. As if the father's name be Moses, the son's name be Joseph. The father is no more called Moses, but Abu Joseph. That is, the father of Joseph. Highly do they recurrence marriage and the fruit thereof, posterity. The people of this country enjoyed all the immunities of good subjects under the Nestorian king of Tenduk, to whom they named the prester Jobu, more rightly belongeth than to the emperor of Habisa, or Ethiopia interior. The last of these kings of Tenduk was Uncham, who was using indirect dealings towards the Tartars, uh, a base and obscure people, provoked them now to leave his neighborhood and seek new inhabitations to turn their whole forces against him, whom they easily vanquished and made Chinggis their captain of Tendu. It is recorded that Chinggis, before he joined the battle with Uncham, consulted his divine astrologers, of the success, they taking a green reed, cleft it uh, asunder, writ on the one name Chingis and Umkam on the other, and placed them not far asunder. Then fell they to reading the charms and conjurations, and the two reeds of fighting in the fight of the whole army. Chingis reed overcoming the other whereby they foretold the joyful news to the victory of the Tartars, which accordingly happened. And this was the first step by which that it's safe and beggarly nation began to mount unto the chair of the empire and sovereignty, whereas they had before uh, lived like beasts, having neither letters, nor faith, nor dwelling, nor reputation, nor valor, nor indeed anything befitting a man. Okay, so now we're going to look at the great Kams of Tartary. Genghis, uh Kenshu, Jingis, or Changis, was made king of Kam or the Tartars. Uh, he subdued Tendak and, and the Cathai, changing the name of the Scythians and Scythia to Tartarians, or Tartaria. Okay, that's power move right there. Akucham Kam or Hokat succeeded in his time. The name Tartar was first known in Europe in twelve twelve, in which year uh, they drove the basically the Poles from the banks of the Euxine Rib Sea by Captain Bathu or Rodeo. He subdued Mus- muscovia muscovia planted his tartar and tarika uh Chavrenes wafted uh, wasted hungary bosnia serbia bulgaria and by his his other captains took persia from the turks so this is a massive move and this is back in 1212 guys 1212 All right, and this is really, they're saying it's around 1168. Um, But now we'll look at the Zaincom, Batu, or Barcom. They ruined the Turks' kingdom of Damascus and Asia the less. Okay, then you have the Genocom, whose daughter conveyed the empire unto her husband Tamerlane, or Tamberlane. Okay, now you have... Tamir Kudlin, or Tamir Kam, or Tamerlane, a great tyrant, but with all excellent soldier. It is thought that he subdued more provinces in his lifetime than all the Romans had done in 800 years, at what time their monarchy was the height. So Tamerlane, guys, who you don't hear much about in history, conquered more cities than the romans did in 800 years and and tartars are just erased from history but the romans are what we go off of it's what this country is built off of then we have the mango whom the haitan and armenian prince and chief compiler of tartarian history went for aid against the Caliph of Babylon. Then we have Tamor. Thus fair Paulus Venetus, or Highten Armenius have spoken of the Tartarian proceedings. What kings have since reigned, we cannot learn, nor what memorable acts have been done among them. The great distance of countries and difficulty of journey have hindered further discoveries. For for the great calm, Duke of Muscovy and King of China will neither suffer any of their subjects to travel abroad nor permit any foreigners to view their dominions or enter into them unless either ambassadors or merchants. So they basically walled off the doors and said, hey, unless you're going to help us out, you got something to offer us? You're not coming in here. What does that sound like in America? It sounds like west of the Rockies, right? Why do we not know? Why weren't those areas able to be mapped? We know there were people out there. We know the Chinese were there at some point. But why couldn't the Europeans map these areas? Were they not allowed in these areas? Were they banned? Were they afraid of the Tartarians that were in America? I don't know. This government is tyrannical. The Great Com. Being Lord of all, and his tongue, besides which have almost no law, confides the power of life or death. He is called by a simple vulgar, the shadow of spirits, the son of the immortal God, and he himself is reputed to be the monarch of the whole world. Right? They give him the power of the world here. For this cause, every day, uh, as soon he hath dined, he causeth his trumpets to be founded. By that sign, giving leave to the other kings and princes of the earth to go to dinner. So after they eat, after he eats, then the rest of the world can go eat. A fine dream of universal monarchy. At the death of the Kham, uh, the ch- the seven chief princes assembled to crown his son whom they place on the black coarse cloth, telling him, if he reign well, heaven shall be his reward. If ill, if he shall have so much as a corner of the black cloth to rest his body on, the they put the crown on his head and kissing his feet, swear unto him fealty and homage. And at the funeral of these great monarchs, they used to kill some of his guard soldiers, whereof hath twelve thousand in continual pay, saying unto them, "Ire and domino nostre servite alia vita." Uh, so you have Paulus venetus reported that, as um at the obsequies. I don't even know what that word is of the MangaCon. No fewer than 10,000 were slain on this occasion. No less than 10,000 were killed when the MangaCon died. These comms are for the most uh, part fair justices and punish almost every small fault with sudden death. Oh, severe justices and punish every small fault with sudden death. But theft, especially. Okay, so you think about that, guys, and and that whole funeral thing, if you think about what they used to do with, you know, what they did with Genghis Khan, supposedly, right? They killed him. All the men that helped bury him or build his tomb were killed. And then all the men who killed him were killed. So, I mean, it was just, a slaughter okay so let's get back to this so the people especially thieves they were severely punishable they were punished by death Insomuch much a man in kambalu taking a pail of milk from a woman's head and beginning to drink thereof was upon the woman's outcry apprehended presently cut in sunder with a sword So that the blood and the milk came out together. So if you just took a little bit of milk, they cut your throat. The next capital crimes are these are lying and adultery, which among the very first laws of Chinggis were enacted to be punishable by death also. You don't want to lie. You don't want to cheat. They're trying to raise good people not liars and cheaters. I can I can't, I mean death is a little extreme, but I mean I think we let liars and cheaters get away with too much in this country and that's where we are where we are. There is no accountability. These people were held accountable to an extreme. This country is under the fame climb with Muscovia. The chief river of the precompenses is Tenes, of Asiatica, Volga, and the Petzora, and the Antiqua Tartar, whence the nations took their name, Cathay, Kurada, Palisanga, Zaitan, Mikon, and also of the lakes Gayan, Dangu, Dandu, Kadokara, and lastly, Zakate. Okay, and then you have the Zartes and the Oxus the last, and is a fatal bound of monarchies. The Persians never passed it to extend their dominions, but received some notable overthrow, as that of Cyrus against the Scythians, and the Tartars fared in the same manner, attempting the like manner as when Saba, the Kam of Zagate, was overthrown by Ismail Sophie of Persia, These two last arise from the branches of Mount Taurus and exonerated their full stomachs into the Caspian and Hercumadian Sea, of which we have spoken in media. Thus much of Tartary. Okay? Very, very interesting. So now we're going to go from tartary and we're gonna take a little look at america okay so they the the interesting part about this and i really wish i had more time to read this whole book because it's so interesting i mean he talks about everything like the the orients you know you're talking about the old school I think we gotta go to seven seventy one here let's go, but he's talking about all these old civilizations, and you know he goes into China, and I haven't read that I want to read about he has Egypt here. I want to get into that um you know there's he gets into partha there's so many different interpretations of this stuff that I would really love. To get into, especially you know you're talking sixteen hundreds, this is the original source okay and and now we get into America, and what he says is this great tract of land ought to be most aptly to be called the new world, new for the late discovery, and world for the vast spacious of it, the most usual, and yet uh Somewhat improper name is America. And he says it's because Americus Vespucius discovered it. Again, not true. And so we're going to get into that a little bit, but I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty with this. But what I wanted to get into when he gets into America is we get over here and he says. At the first arrival of the Spaniards in this country, they found the people without all manner of apparel not skilled in agriculture, making their bread of a kind of root called maize, a root wherein uh, is a venomous liquor, not inferior to the most deadly poison. But this juice, uh, they crush out, and after having dried it and prepared the root, they make bread of it. They worshipped, what's it say, devilish, spirits, whom they call Zim's, in remembrance of whom they continually, kept continually certain image, as it were, made of cotton wool, like our children's babies. So they had these little idols, like little dolls of their gods, their spirits. To these they uh, did do great reverence, and supposing the spirit of their Zim's to be in them, the devil to blind them more, to blind them the more, would make these puppets to seem the, to move and make noise. So it's almost like these people become possessed, these animals. They stood also in great fear of them, for their wills were not fulfilled. The devil straight executed vengeance on some of the children of this blinded and infatuated people. They thought the Christians to be immortal, wondering at the mass sails and tacklings of their ships. themselves knowing no ships, but huge troughs made of some great-bodied tree. Right? They don't know of ships, but they make like canoes out of trees. But this opinion of the Christians' immortality continued not long, for having taken some of them, they held their heads under water until they choked, by which they knew them to be mortal. (laughs) It's one way to find out. They were quite destitute of all good learning, reckoning their, uh, their times by confused observation of the moon, and strangely admiring to see one Spaniard know the health and affairs of another by a letter only. They were of a simple, honest nature, without fraud, giving entertainment after their kind and grossly conceived the immortality of the soul, supposing that beyond certain hills they know not where, those that died in defense of their country should enjoy eternal happiness. They believe in life after death. They esteemed of gold and silver. Uh, Dross, with which, notwithstanding of the colors fake, they adorn themselves, and also with shells, feathers, and the like. The inhabitants, though a great part of this country lieth in the same parallel with Ethiopia, Libya, and Numidia, are of reasonable fair complexion, and very little, if at all, inclining to blackness, which is very interesting. Um, he's saying they're they're not dark skinned, so that the extraordinary and continual vicinity of the sun is not, as some imagine, the efficient cause of blackness, though it may much further such a color as we see in our country, last whose whole uh, whose faces are always exposed to the wind and weather, other more wise in their own conceit. Though through this conceit, no, no confederate plainly conclude what is it generative feed of the African to be black, but of the Americans to be white. A foolish supposition, and convinced not only out of experience but natural philosophy. As for the foolish tale of Com's knowing his wife in the ark, whereupon the divine curse of his son Shus, with all posterity, which, say, are the Africans, were all black. It is so vain that I will not endeavor to retell it, so that we must wholly refer it to God's particular will and ordinance. There without question... The progeny of the Tardars, which may be proved by many arguments, some negative, some also affirmative. The negative arguments are they have no relish or resemblance at all of the arts, learning, and civility of Europe. Secondly, their color showeth them not to have descended from Africans here being no black men in this country, in all this country, but some few which inhabit seacoasts over against Guinea in Africa from whence they are supposed by some tempest to have been brought hither. Okay, so they're saying there were no dark people in America, he is saying. He's saying they were brought here from Guinea. Thirdly, They have not the least token or show of the arts in the industry of China, India, or any civil region on this side of Asia. The affirmative arguments prove first that they came from Asia, next in particular from Tartary. So he's saying there is no doubt that they came from Asia. He said they came from Asia first, but particularly they came from Tartaria or Tartary, that they came out of Asia is more manifest in that the west side of the country towards Asia is far more populous than the east towards Europe, of which there can be no reason assigned, than that these parts were first inhabited, and that from hence the rest was peopled. So think about that. He's saying that America was populated from the West, more so in the West Coast than the East Coast. The history of America wants you to believe that the East Coast was populated and then they went West, which is, I mean, this is totally contradicting the whole narrative that we've been told. And this definitely makes sense if you think about it. I mean, there, there had to be people in, in this country. It wasn't like every other country in the world was populated, but America was empty. It was just these savages running around and fighting and living in teepees and shit. No, there was definitely Asians here. There was Chinese here, Tartarians, as they're saying. Next for the next, the idolatry of this people and the particularities thereof, there's, Incivility and barbarous properties tell us that they are most like the Tartars of any. Secondly, the west side of America, if it be not uh, continent with Tartary, is yet defined by a very small strait, as it may be perceived in all our maps. And Cardus, as also a description of these countries, so that there is unto these countries a very quick and easy passage. So he's saying there's, you know, the Bering Strait. There was a land bridge between Russia and America and they could come right across very easily he's saying. And thirdly, the people of Kivara, which of all the provinces of America is the nearest unto Tartary are said to follow the whole course of their life, the seasons and the best pasturing of their oxen just like the Scythian nomads or Tartarian hordes an evident argument in their descent and original so that's that's where i'm going to cut this off because i really i think we got our point across here that again let's look at this let's go back to the map and look at the land bridge here now this is what it's like today if we go back to older maps that bridge, that land was connected. That was thicker. This passage was made thousands of years ago, not just 1492 when they came to this side of the country, the eastern side. The western side, west of the Rockies, was populated prior to Columbus. Okay. Now we look at, I love looking at the world's fairs. And one of the things I'm starting to believe with the, some of these world fairs is not that these were. Great American cities, but these were old world capitals that were being displayed. Their style was being displayed for the last time. They're being shown a mix of the old world and the new world. So, what we're starting to see, guys, and what's leaking out more and more day by day, the history and the real, some of the real ideas behind Tartaria. And we're starting to see that if you look at this map, they came, they took over Turkey. They took over the Persians. All right. So they, Tartaria, went from most of Europe. They didn't get all the way, supposedly, out to France. But I, what made them, where did they stop? Okay. We can't really tell, but they, they had all of this area. They conquered India. They conquered China at times. We have Mongolia, right? That was conquered. Kazakhstan. This is all part of the Tartarian Empire. And you could some, like Fomenko, say that the, east, the western part of the United States and Canada and Mexico was also part of that empire. And so we go back to how I started this show. If you think about it now, you think about what we just read and heard about what Tamerlane did and what all these other... I mean, these the tartars must have pissed off a lot of people. And so if we think about it, right, and we're we're talking about so we're thinking about this and what we're trying to see here, we look over here, okay? We have Napoleon, France, right, on the edge, the outermost edge. He's kind of the last land before you get to the Atlantic. So if the Tartars are you know, thinking about pushing this way, well, he's going to say, okay, we're going to go this way. We're going to push back. We're going to come through Europe. We're going to come through Russia. We're going to go right to Moscow, right? Think about that. Napoleon did not go up to St. Petersburg. He didn't go to the Russian capital. He went to Moscow. Moscow, some would say, was the capital of Tartaria or one of the centers of Tartaria. Samaran was also known as possibly the capital of Tartaria. But when we look at this, you know, we look at this map, it's starting to make more sense. If Napoleon's going to push east and push all these Tartars out here, well, what do they have to do over here? They can't just have them all come across the land bridge and set up shop and western north america we got to get rid of them here too. make it so that they're they're gone we're gonna pinch them out and that that is seemingly more and more plausible to me as we go through this and you know i just think it's something we need to think about because that war of 1812 has always been something that seemed just hasn't the story of it never sat right with me Right, That wasn't the U.S. against the British. I mean, the, the that whole idea of the British taking six soldiers off the Chesapeake because they had a British accent and they had taken, you know, supposedly 6,000 British soldiers from the, the American Navy um, in that time. And that was supposedly why we went to war with England again. I, uh, it seems like a bit of a stretch. And if we're going to war with England, then why are we going west to fight the natives? It's just, you know, right? There's just all these questions that just don't add up. So we're going to keep digging. We have some more books in the works. Um, I would like to look at the World Fairs a little bit more too. Um, but the one thing I have been pressed, history of America, if you think about that compared to what we just talked about and why I find this interesting and anyone that wants to know more about Lewis and Clark, go over to Deborah gets red pilled. They did a killer episode on Lewis and Clark over there. So go listen to that because there is a lot of mystery around that whole story. And I was listening to someone the other day from, I think it's England And they were talking about how Mary, how the Lewis and Clark expedition was heavily pushed in England and Ireland too. You're like, well, if it was false, you know why? Like Meriwether Lewis committed suicide by two gunshots to the head. That makes sense, right? Why was Meriwether Lewis murdered? What did he see on that trip west? What was in his journals? Why were pages of his journals ripped out? It's part of the mystery, guys. It doesn't fit his story, so they have to change it. All right? I have a bunch of books I'm looking at like this because we're going to get back into America, the old world, get into some architecture again. Um, I want to look at... I, I got a, another one. I just ordered uh, a book yesterday. It should be here in early September that we're going to get into... Um. Carnegie a little bit and the Rockefellers and their influence in possibly rewriting history and, and writing it for this new great reset of the industrial revolution. Now, another great show, go check out Archaics. Okay. Jason Brashear over at Archaics on YouTube. He's got a video That talks about from 1890 to 1912 is possibly the last reset. Go check out that video. Awesome work. And and he does a lot of great work over there too on on different timelines, on different theories, alternate history theories. So go check him out as well. And again, I'm going to keep pushing, guys. Go check out The Dangerous World. My man Ryan's doing great work. Wicked Planet, Ron and Buckley are killing it over there. My man Andrew at uh politics and punk rock. We got uh I can't forget Sam at according to Sam. He's killing it over there with the with the current events and all the madness that's going on in politics. And then you have guys, there's just so many people doing some good work right now. Now the other person I cannot leave out is my man Randy, random Randy at the Red Thread Podcast. He's been killing it lately with old world stuff, mining. Uh, His latest one on Switzerland I just started today, and I, him and Andy are killing it over there too. So go check him out. Um, You know, he's guys. There's people doing work now. If you're getting burned out from history and conspiracies and the the darkness of all this stuff, which a lot of you need a break. I've been doing some shows with my man Bob. Over at the Hidden Pod, go check it out. It, we got uh, it's called a Break from the Abnormal. Okay, it's a little series we're doing one a month where we have people on and we talk about no conspiracies, talk about life, talk about our background, you know, stuff we're into, stuff we got into as kids and growing up, and uh, so there's those. And then Ryan on the dangerous world feed is doing the conspiracy break room. And I just did uh episode with him on that. So go check that out. That was a lot of fun. We talked about like my childhood and growing up and shit. I was into as a kid and the, uh, dysfunctional functional family that I grew up in. And, uh, it's a lot of fun, man. If you want to get to know a little bit more about me, that's a good way to do it. Go check out those two podcasts. And then, uh, guys we got Monday night master debaters it's it, the guests it, the shows just keep getting better and better i think um you know and a lot of that's thanks to the guests we got great guests coming on good interesting current topics um we go all over the map you know and somebody was asking me today well what what is my master debaters well we'll talk conspiracies we'll talk current events we'll talk movies we'll talk music we'll talk sports we'll talk retarded news whatever's going on we it's it's just a place for people to just come and and unwind you know hopefully get to have a laugh or two and learn something you know i do hope that it is informative i don't want to just be another one of those shows that's on there and it's just people talking shit You know, you you hear a lot of that these days. It's just the same people making the rounds and telling the same story over and over again. And it's like, all right, is there anything more to you than that story? And that's what Master Debaters is. Nobody nobody preps. You just come on and wherever the conversation goes, the conversation goes. And we've had some good ones. So go check it out. Like I said in the beginning, Patreon, you want to watch the... Videos of the Monday Night Masturbators, where we show clips and stuff. Go join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Great Deception Podcast. We're going to start adding more on there. I'm going to start putting all these uh, extra podcasts I'm doing with Bob on there. We're going to put... uh, I'm putting books out there. So like the book, this book will be out there on the Patreon. If you want to go download the PDF uh i guys i'm trying to to share as much information as i can with you all for those that want it and if there is anything you want hit me up i'm starting to download a lot of pdfs to start a nice little digital library in the event that something happens and as we've seen they're starting to erase history guys they're changing the definitions of words they're changing versions of books so we got to get back and get the original copies and Get them in our hands, whether it's on a hard drive, whether it's a physical copy. We need to keep the knowledge alive. And that's what we're trying to do here. So support the show. Join the Patreon. Go get a T-shirt or a sweatshirt at the merch store. Guys, I love the hoodies. I'm not going to I can't get enough of it. It's 50 degrees here at night now. It's beautiful. Almost fall weather here in New England. It, you know, it was 95, 105 last week, and now we're down in the 50s at night. Welcome to New England. But that's why I love it up here. You get all the seasons. But with that said, you get a lot of use out of your hoodies. So, And I got some other t-shirts. And if there's anything else you want me to make or that you don't see in the shop, let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram at the Great Deception Podcast. Okay. If you like the show, share it. Leave a review. It goes a long way. And that's another way to support. Right? I know times are tough with money, guys. Everybody's pinching right now. And for you to share it means just as much as making a donation. So I I, I truly do appreciate that. And there's some of my guys on uh on Instagram that are that promote my show almost every show. And I can't thank you guys enough for that. So That's another way to support this. But we're going to wrap this up for the night. Again, stay tuned. We got more coming on the old world. We're digging. We're not giving up. We have some good Monday Night Master Debaters guests coming up. And it's just going to keep going, guys. So you know what you have to do. Stay strong and question everything.
0: A vital element in keeping the peace is our military establishment. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action, so that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime, or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Had to do this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city Every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must gar- guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together.